Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Diane Williams. I'm the host for today. And in the studio with me is Mr. Fluid. Hello, hello. How you doing? I'm very good, very good. How are you? Good, good. This is a young man I've seen on the horizon in the community sharing his hip-hop words and sounds and... I was just fascinated because um, I've seen him around, and he's got a good presence on the Internet. So if you're out there on YouTube or something like that, look up Mr. Fluid. His name is Michael Norris. He reigns not from Jackson, Mississippi, but where are you actually from? Originally from Braxton. So, yeah, I kind of grew up in Harrisville, Braxton area. My parents still live there. Sort of near Mendenhall. Yeah, yeah. Went, went, to, went to school in Mendenhall. Yeah. Near D Low. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Too darn low. Yeah, I won't say what D Low stands for. <laughs> we on we on the air right now. So, um, and when did you come to the Jackson community? Um, well, I moved to Jackson originally, probably about 1998. When when I was 18, moved out of the house and um, kind of got involved. Uh, a couple of years maybe before that with the with the Jackson scene, I just started noticing with, uh, at that time it was open mic poetry, so I would come to Jackson because there's more, well, actually, that, that was the only events I knew about with open mic poetry at that time, so I started getting involved in Jackson, you know, late 90s, I would say. So you became aware of what's going on in society, those kinds of things. But take me back to Braxton and mm-hmm. this literary thing that started happening within you. Were you writing in school? Did you write poetry in elementary, high school, that kind of thing? Well, to take it all the way back, I would say my, my father and uh, my grandfather have a place in that because they were always musicians and always, you know, uh, my grandfather was a uh, was a, a poet storyteller of sorts, you know. Um, but as far as me personally, you know, I always, always like reading, you know, as a kid, I always got excited about the book fairs coming really? to school. Yeah. 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 Choose your own adventure books and things of that nature, fear street. And, you know, I remember reading, uh, all kind of books, various, you know, I would, I would get the books. It's like, you know, I would, it's probably not something I want to read now, but, you know, after a book, after a movie comes out, they make a book based on that movie. So I was reading those types of things too. Anything I get my hands on, spend a lot of time in the library. I mean, I like, I always liked reading growing up. Um, and poetry, I wrote poetry probably as early as 13. So, Poetry was really the beginning of it for me before I got into writing songs and then, you know, it turned into hip-hop and, you know, spoken word and things of that nature. Okay, I won't ask how old you are or anything like that. Well, I kind of gave you the clue earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so what was the year that you started coming to Jackson? What what? Probably about 98 and 99, um, it was... Uh, coffee house on uh capitol street downtown jackson yes there was a there was a place there that they did um ezra brown of vb and company um but way before seven um he would just uh host these events at uh the coffee house and it was they called them jazz poetry so it was jazz music but you could get up and do some poems in front of the band, the band would kind of accompany you and whatnot. And they also had a space for MCs to get up and freestyle. So if you could rap and you could do it, you know, off the top of your head, improvise, mm-hmm. then you could get up there and do it with a jazz band, 
well, with some drums playing behind you. So it was it was always it was always fun to do that, and that's really what got me from being just a poet. Um, not that there's anything wrong with poetry, but from being you know mainly a poet on to being an MC as well because my poetry started to rhyme a little more, and I just started to uh, appreciate that world a little more, and also be able to freestyle. And, you know, emceeing is a talent in and of, in and of itself as True. well. True. An MC can kill a program. Mm-hmm. He could talk too much. He could go on with his own agenda, <laughs> and everything gets lost in the sauce. So yeah. um, that's another talent you have. And we have to give a, a real shout-out to Ezra Brown. Because oh, yeah, of course, of course. He has helped so many artists in the community. I remember Seven on Capitol Street. Mm-hmm. He's gone on to become an international jazz yeah. musician. His He's even designed his own yeah. brand of saxophone. And so many people mention him, you know. So that's that's great that you had that opportunity to uh, start out in in a place like that. Who were your role models? Who did you emulate? What did you see that made you want to become a hip hop artist? I mean, originally as a kid, I mean, it goes back to say LL Cool J and the Beastie Boys and Run DMC, Big Daddy Kane, KRS One, but. Um, while we're on the subject of Jackson, what really, really had the spark in me was being introduced to that um, community because, you know, I, I remember kids freestyling in school, beating on the lunchroom tables and stuff like that, but it wasn't until I got involved in uh, those ciphers, those freestyle ciphers, where I saw um, people like uh, Skip Coon that uh, still rhymes this day and... Um, you know, ill relatives and, um, you know, uh, Rashid Hadi at the time was in uh, Chapter 13. And a lot of these guys are still making moves today. Fifth Child was part of that group, his brother, James Crow. Um, so being able to see that live mm-hmm. and uh, actually see what I consider some of the greatest MCs right there, just a, you know, a few feet away from me, freestyling, and they had this larger than life. Um, kind of presence and so that really made me think oh wow so this is like real live stuff it's not just stuff I see on tv and whatnot this is something that's community-based as well as you know nationwide worldwide Mm-hmm. Now, you and I know it's not just the beats that grab us. We're not listening to you and we're bobbing our head up and down and we're in that beat. Something, I think something important is happening, and that's mm-hmm. why I wanted to have you on the show. Why is hip-hop important to America, to our communities? Well, hip-hop as a culture is very important because um, it, it allows different uh, means of expression through um Break dancing through graffiti, through MCing, through DJing, um, through beatboxing. Um, but as far as lyrically, um, where, where I feel like I step in, of course, I am a producer as well, but a, as a poet and as a writer and as someone who I, I think lyrics are very important, um, you know, you, you could go back to say somebody like Melly Mel with the message who, um, you know, for the first time that I know of, you had, you know, we went from party rap to yes, yes, y'all, and you don't stop, you know, trying to to get people excited and trying to, you know, basically back up the DJ Um, all of a sudden to conscious, um, you know, words about what's going on in the community, like broken glass everywhere. Um, He was talking about, 
all the wrongs in the community and you had people speak out against Reagan and Nixon and, you know, everything that was going on. Um, crack is whack, you know, that, that kind of movement stopped the violence. Those were the kind of things where MCs could actually make a difference because now you're in the forefront and you can get people to follow behind you and you can actually begin a movement based on what you write, you know, and writing is just you sitting with a pen and, you know, um, your inspiration. So something that just came to you, now you can move people with it. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Diane Williams, and in the studio with me today is Mr. Fluid. I'm not going to mention his other name again until <laughs> later on, but we, we want you to know him as Mr. Fluid. And we're just talking about the hip-hop scene and the cult. It's a culture you mentioned. Yes. You also mentioned uh, sort of this activism. It's a way to have a voice. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's very important as well. Uh, Margaret Thatcher said there's no such thing as a society, but culture is very important. And when we look at culture, all of our various cultures embedded in those cultures is something that is common to all of us. And there are statements, there are things, you know, tenets and things to live by, to think about in our lives. And so, therefore, I think hip-hop is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. much so. So um, this is something you do. Do you do you write your own pieces? Tell me. Yes, I uh, write my, all my own lyrics, no ghostwriters. Um, I produce my own beats. For the most part, my last three solo projects, I've produced all the beats. Um, I am working on some stuff and have worked on stuff in the past where I worked with other producers or, you know, co-produced. But generally, yes, I mean, I'm, I'm my own producer. I like to uh, kind of come up with the sounds and build around that. And But if I get a beat from somebody else and it inspires me, I may write to it and, you know, move forward with it. You know, usually the beat will tell me what to write about. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Tell me about some of the instrumentation involved that coincides with your music, with uh, with your uh, raps and things. Well, when I produce, it can grab from various things. Um, I like uh, uh, sampling at times where I, I might pull a record and just get a little piece of it, you know, and then use that to create a beat or, you know, pieces from various records. Um, I do play a little guitar. Um, I use uh, mid-eye instruments, which, uh, you know, create bass lines. And um, it's a keyboard, but, you know, the sounds are created within the software to sound like keyboards and, you know, uh, brass instruments and, you know, um, bass lines, uh, various things. And also, as far as percussion, I have things like djembe drums, shakers. So... Um, what I get my sound from can, can, you know, it can vary. You know, I try to, I try to keep it as dynamic as possible to where there's, there's things you can't necessarily copy. So if I put out a beat, it's going to be, you know, fairly, you know, as original as I can get it. You know, there may be samples, but, you know, I, I kind of balance that out with enough original sounds that it's, um, that it's unique. Yeah, I think you can snip a little teeny piece of something and I don't know that there's anything truly original when it comes to music Quincy Jones said there's like these eight frames and it's just how you put it all together and we know that he was a genius (laughs) yeah yeah and it's all four four timing and we all drop it on the one like uh, James Brown taught us so you Mm -hmm. know it's 
it's, uh, you know, nothing is new under the sun, so to speak. Right, yeah. right, right. It's just how you kind of play with it. What about new age coming up with, uh, you know, using some of our more earthy sounds? You mentioned djembe, so, you know, that's more natural because it comes from anything you touch or hit almost. Yeah, yeah. But um, what about some of the other nature sounds? I know you do a lot of your um, videography is done outdoors. Uh, do you ever incorporate, you know, river sounds or... Yeah, I have. Sounds? I have. Actually, I'm working on a track right now where I pulled some sounds from river and water dropping to kind of uh, give you the impression that... Um, that people were, you know, near near nature and near water and whatnot, and some voices. It kind of sounds like people are out by a pool having a pool party, but oh. but the sounds are coming from various places, like maybe three or four different things to to make that happen. And how do you you said the music usually leads you to what you want to talk about, or or does that help you with the beats or what you want to talk about? Yeah, I, I I try to get in the so-called zone, you know, where it's more of a stream of consciousness style of writing, like, say, William Faulkner might do, um, except rhyme more. So it's not just completely um, freestyle writing um, because I want it to rhyme at certain parts. And I, you know, the rhyme is very important. It's got to fit within 16 bars generally for a verse. But I, I try to just get lost in the music and just um, just you know, kind of write more just straight direct. And then if I make a mistake or something I want to change, I go back and change it. But I, I try to write without stopping too much because okay. my better verses, I just write until they're done and I don't just take breaks and things like that. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Diane Williams, your host for today. Generally, I'm at the Mississippi Arts Commission in the office, and you have other hosts on the show, but it feels good to be here. And I'm here because I feel like hip-hop music is important. I think it's something that's been around a long time. In my research, I noticed that it's been around since, like, the 70s. 73, I think, and, is what most people and, date and, it back to. Yeah, and they said, like, up in the Bronx somewhere, mm-hmm. some African-Americans, some others, and some Caribbean folks from the cool Caribbean Hurt. got together mm-hmm. and started mixing and talking and sharing some things. And we know Bob Marley, you know, always yeah. had something to say. So that music coming from that area on the uh, waves, uh, I think it's important. And uh, what I'd like to talk to you about right now, uh, and by the way, this is uh, Mr. Fluid in the studio with me. So he's my guest today. He's from the Jackson community, and he's doing a lot of things, just came out with a new CD. He'll talk about that a little later. But tell me about some of your previous works. We'll talk about the new piece soon. But what have you done already that brought you to this point? Um, Well... Around, um, let's see, like like I said, early 2000s, I kind of started taking myself more seriously or seeing myself as a hip-hop artist. So back then, I worked with uh, a couple of people like Illa Bob Kane um, to put out a demo. And then DJ Chaotic, we did a, uh, we actually pressed vinyl um, early 2000s. Um, this is stuff that's not necessarily readily available so you know 
to get your hands on it would probably be kind of tough. But um, but we want people to know you didn't just come out the woodwork yesterday. No, no, no. It took no, work. No. It took time. Yeah, lots of time. To lots get to the effort. point where you are today, and that's what young people need to know. Yeah, and before that, it was poetry books, so I'd create my own uh, poetry chat books and whatnot. Um, even before that, I played guitar and stuff like that in various bands that didn't necessarily go anywhere, but it was good practice, mm -hmm. um, especially in terms of songwriting. Um, whether or not the style changed or not, I learned how to write music through other means, like, you know, before I started writing hip-hop music. Um, but also, you know, around 2004, um, 2005, I, I worked with a group called Company of Strangers while I was the uh, MC, but I also worked with other producers, including DJ Wally out of New York and DJ Chaotic, which is in Colorado. And... Um, uh, actually, Yarbrough, which is uh, from Chicago, and he has some, he has uh, some work on the new uh, Fillmore Green album, Chicago, a third world city. But um, yeah, so a little bit here and there. Um, when I moved back to Mississippi around 2011, I started uh, seeing myself more as a solo artist and started just putting out my own solo work as opposed to being with the group. You know, even though with the group I was still the main MC, it still felt it felt like the natural progression to me start producing my own beats and and doing my own music and controlling my own direction because I wanted to be a little bit more experimental and head in directions that um, I wasn't necessarily going before. And how do you feel that it was received by the public by your audience? I think I think more lately with the last uh, couple of albums, it's being received uh, probably better than it ever has been because I feel like I'm I'm more coming into my own with my experimentation with uh, drum and bass styles, and and kind of spoken word meets you know hip hop. Um, my style is yeah. If you listen to it, you know I'm, I've talk a lot about Mississippi, but. You might not know I'm from Mississippi just based on what the music sounds like because I'm very influenced by New York because that was the first hip-hop I ever heard and also from London um, because that's where I started hearing drum and bass and also having MCs over that. Um, so um, I feel like more, more now uh, I'm getting better at what I do and I'm getting better at producing the type of things uh, that I sound best on. So I feel like it's all coming full circle. So and, and definitely with the crowd and reaction and, and people really um, dapping me up and saying, man, that was great. You know, I think it's the past few years that I've really started to see more of that. Um, have what, are, what have been some of the learnings, you know, when it comes to performance? All is not peaches and cream, smooth oh, no, all no, the no, time. No, no, no. We get up there sometimes and we it just doesn't go like we thought. So what kinds of things have you learned about your music, about your style, about what you do? Preparation. Ah. Always rehearse. If, if you can rehearse a month in advance, even for a five-minute performance, um, go ahead and start rehearsing. Um, get it down to where you're not, you don't look like you're thinking on stage. You know, when you're rhyming, when you're performing, you don't want to look like you're trying to think about what you're going to say next. You want it to flow naturally. That way, if you make a mistake, it's no big deal. You can kind of jump to the next line, and it might look like you just were catching your breath or something like that. And 
you're not nervous. Um, now I've been performing long enough that I don't, I would say I get nervous before I hit the stage. Always I get some kind of butterfly because it's about to happen, the anticipation. But once I get on stage and I get the mic, um, spirit kind of, uh, takes over and it, I just, um, I've, I've done my, um, practice enough to where I don't have to think about anything. I just do it. So, um, it's, uh, it's a lot easier that way, but always, always practice in advance. Yeah. And, um, this thing about nervousness, you know, there are a lot of talented people out there and some of them can't get beyond that, that shake, that nervousness. I know for me, once I get out there, I might be shaking just a little bit, mm -hmm. but I, I even look at myself and it, and, and I, and then I start calming down. Yeah. But I think is, a, there's a lot to say about once we open our mouths and release mm -hmm. that spirit of what we're going to say, we, we come to that ah moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's all about the importance that you have something to say or something to share mm -hmm. with people, which, which is important. Um, I'd love to hear you share something with us. All right. You know, just right here live. You know, you brought some recordings, but can you do a little something for us? Tell us what you're going to do. Yeah, of course, of course. So the new song is Lies. It's off the new album, When Conformity is Not Comfortable. It's a story. It's fictional. Um, but it, it, it walks us through addiction and then also um, addiction to, to drugs, but also to people and, and being able to know when to cut people off and when to... Uh, when to kind of, you know, see your place in these things and, and when to back away from them. And, and you know, sometimes you want to help people and sometimes, you you know, you shouldn't. <laughs> you know, you, you let people, you know, figure their own troubles out and whatnot. You have just heard Mr. Fluid. He was born and raised in Mississippi. He's an MC, poet, and producer triple threat. He began performing at various Jackson open mics in the early 2000s, including Seven Arts Cafe and Mississippi Vibes, as well as being a frequent radio guest on Jolivet Anderson. Some of you all may remember the poet warrior Jolivet Anderson's Mississippi Cypher. Eventually, he embraced hip-hop, fully releasing three projects with Company of Strangers, a collaboration EP... Yes. With Yarbrough, and he did plenty of solo work, including a mixtape and three albums that he produced entirely by himself, the latest of which is entitled When Conformity is Not Comfortable. So you heard a piece from that yes. album. Yes. And tell us about what we just heard. So the piece is called Live, um, and it's inspired by true experiences, but it's still fiction, like it's a fictional story. So a lot of times when I perform it, and I perform with a lot of passion, people are like, oh, my God, that touched me. I'm, I'm sorry you, you went through that. And I'm like, well, it's actually a story, but thank you. You know, I'm glad, I'm glad it, I'm glad it uh, touches people that way. And, and the meaning behind it is still the same, you know. And, and, I, and I try to do that. I'm not one of those that really, and may change, but I don't like to give a whole lot of personal um, details of my life into my music, you know, it, it does, does seep out from time to time, but I'm also a bit of a storyteller. So, you know, some of the stuff is purely fictional. As we were listening to that piece, 
you know, our hearts and our spirits were leaning toward this girl that had gone through so, so much. And uh, some people might say, well, you know, I don't know what I want to hear. Yeah, that's too tough. But it's somebody's reality. Oh, yeah, it's very much somebody's yeah, reality. And, and you're bringing and, 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 wor- and very much worse is, is a lot of people's reality. Yeah. So let's listen to another piece by Mr. Fluid. This one is called Pieces of a Man. Yes. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Diane Williams, your host for today's show. In the studio with me is Mr. Fluid, known as, or by his mother, as Michael (laughs) Norris. Yes. (laughs) Thanks for being here today. You're welcome. I'm enjoying it. And the piece we just heard was called Pieces of a Man. And this is from your new CD, Mm -hmm. Um, When Conformity is Not Comfortable. Yes. Yes, yes. Tell us about what we just heard. Uh, Pieces of a Man is more about the experience, uh, personal experience of growing up in this state and feeling challenges um, with the, you know, the politics, the, the, the kind of weighing down of the whole uh, Bible Belt as a whole, um, and also the, the music industry. It's kind of the whole song is more about the challenges of a person and an artist coming up and what he might go through, you know, um, and dealing with me personally, what, what I've gone through. And the challenges of wanting to uh, be successful and, and be a part of an industry, but at the same time stay true to your artistic integrity, you know, your, your artistic spirit and wanting to put out original music. But, you know, what sells isn't necessarily original music. It's the copycat music that actually sells generally. That's interesting. Well, you know, wanting to be successful, let's talk about that a little bit. In the Jackson community, and I imagine this to be true for other communities as well, musicians are struggling with the same venues, you know, what yes. about stepping outside the box? What do you think about uh, venue accommodation in the metro area or surrounding areas? What do you what do you envision? Well, I think it would be helpful if there were more balance. You know, you, you have these uh, these clubs that basically if they have artists and they just want a certain you know club atmosphere or they just have DJs or whatnot. Um, you have you have bars that would stick to rock and roll and, and cover bands and things like that. I just, you know, I, I don't envision any kind of world where everything's perfect. I just feel like things could be, you know, more balanced. Um, hip-hop is very universal, and a lot of people um, don't want to book hip-hop acts because their idea of hip-hop is what gangster rap is. And even gangster rap has its as its consciousness you know, um, elements. So, but the idea of they they feel like they're inviting violence and gang violence and, you know, um, just overall chaos into their, their venue. It's not necessarily true. You have hip hop artists that are strictly Christian and may not curse at all or, you know, political activists. And there's probably a little bit more cursing there, but even, even the Christians curse too, but (laughs) that just the idea showing you that, uh, you know, it's not necessarily all guns and violence and, you know, um, promiscuity. Okay, okay. So if I was to uh, promote you, let's say I was telling somebody about you, how would I describe what 
I'm offering them. There's this hip-hop artist in Jackson, Mississippi, who's willing to come to your venue. His style is... My my, my style is, uh, I say, hip-hop, drum and bass hybrid because a lot of my music... Um, pieces of a man toward the end of the song, the drums start kind of tricking out and it gets a little faster and um, you get into more of a drum and bass style. Um, so I, I'm a hip-hop, hip-hop mainly, you know, bass and boom bap, but a hip-hop artist who, whose style kind of varies and uh, is a bit of a hybrid of drum and bass as well, but also spoken word is still a part of it to where my music is... Uh, always about something it's always a consciousness it's always a message message oriented so um and the things i i the kind of instruments i incorporate into my music could be you know it could be rock music it could be reggae it could be uh you know soul music so um you could book me in front of a rock band i played I played. I've opened up for rock bands and metal bands and drum and bass DJs and house DJs and uh, dubstep and hip hop. You know, whether it be the you know trap music or gangster rap or you know just straight up East Coast hip hop or just a, you know um, the the type of venues and and things that I've I've done over the years it varies a lot. You know, one of my first. Well, my first couple of shows really was opening up for DJs, you know, um, drum and bass DJs and house DJs and stuff like that, because that was my community at the time, you know, as far as a, a solo artist, you know, stuff I was doing with Company of Strangers and whatnot as well. So um, I try to make my music as eclectic enough that, you know, I could play a festival, I could play places where it's not just hip hop, um, but mm. I, I may fit in better with a more lyric based hip-hop crowd. Mm -hmm. So you can get that audience pumped up and raring to go Mm -hmm. for whatever's to come. Um, Let's talk about you. Earlier you mentioned New York, and, you know, you had heard that style of hip-hop, and I've heard East Coast, West Coast. I have no idea what that relates to. With um, blues, we now have Southern Soul which is a more younger, more beats in Mm -hmm. the music for the blues type of music. Talk about the different types of, you mentioned the different types of hip-hop, but around the country, I want to kind of focus, is it different in Florida than it is in California or Mississippi or New York? Yeah, uh, Florida is, um, the South gets a lot of its sound from from Florida because uh, you know uh, Uncle Luke and the, the bass sound kind of came up from uh, Two Live Crew and all that um, that that bass real fast uh, dance music um, came up from Miami, so um, you get a lot of bass music out of Miami, um, New York. Uh, at, picture the environment it's harder concrete you know uh, brick walls and things like that so the music's a little harder it's kind of straight to the point in the south you have um 
you, you imagine the environment and you okay people commute for a while before they get to work they ride around a lot so they want music that just kind of can take them through a drive so when you listen to outcast and uh, eight ball and mjg and things of that nature it's kind of soulful it's kind of funky it's you you could listen to an album from start to finish and just kind of groove to it uh west coast you get a lot of funk influence you know um like george clinton funkadelic you know you hear that a lot and say uh ice cubes music and uh um you know far side and things like that that's that there are groups like that and hieroglyphics out of the west coast that sound like they're out of the out of new york um it, it has a lot to do with really the individual and and and, and what they have to bring to the table because you might think of somebody like exhibit you know, um, from Pimp My Ride, a lot of people know him more from that than his music. But when you listen to his music, it he is West Coast music, but it's got it's got a very uh, um, strong MC presence, like he might have uh, might be East Coast. Well, a lot of people don't realize he's from Detroit, but he made it. He made his mark in the West Coast. So um, a lot of people, like even Snoop, I think he was born here in the South. So um, you know. People, when you're listening to a style of music, um, you know, where that individual comes from makes a whole lot of difference as well. So you, there's no real cut and dry, okay, this is what West Coast sounds like, this is what East Coast sounds like, but you can still generally head this direction or that based on, you know, region. Let's talk about the technical aspect of the whole thing, but I want to start with the vocal vocals enunciation yes enunciation. not so popular yeah. um, enunciation in, 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 uh, music music in, in the background in modern music these days <laughs> in modern rap um yeah and that, that's that's something uh you know and i could criticize just being an older head um but i i realize each generation comes up and you know their job is really to just you know do away with what came before them and start something fresh but a lot of what you hear in modern uh, trap music is it's gotten the derogatory term of mumble rap because it, it's they they don't enunciate their words and it's not that clear what they're even saying. They might say the first half of each word, you know. So it's uh, um, it's something it's something I definitely pay attention to. And even way before that, when I first started rapping, it was something that you know okay. You got to be able to cut through the music. You got to have a voice that uh, that a cut through the music, and you don't get like beats can be very loud and um, expressive. May have a lot of horns and things going on. So if your voice isn't very strong, you can get kind of buried by the beat. So you got to be able to cut through that beat. Um, being able to enunciate um, that's important to any writer, I would think. You know, because you want all of your words to be heard, and you you don't want your words to be mistaken and taken out of context. They'll be taken out of context anyway, but you want to do your best to, uh, you know, say what you actually mean to say and, and make it clear. Okay, um, I looked at something that you had on YouTube, and I think you were saying "free your mind" and then the audience would repeat how hard is that was it? actually the first song we played change okay. your mind change your life so um it's a call and response song how um, hard is that to do to get people to participate i think that's basic hip-hop skills like like uh an mc uh, master of ceremonies should be able to move the crowd to be able to make the crowd do what 
you know, respond to what I'm saying, you know, and, and it goes back to gospel, you know, call and response, you know, yeah, 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 hey, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I made a point to to write a few songs that required that it, you don't hear it on the album, but when it, when I'm doing it live, they have have a space for call and response. So I say something you repeat after me because best hip-hop shows I've ever been to have moments throughout the show where it's like when I say hip, you say hop. So I just want to make sure that I'm doing that as well because the people I look up to always do that because you got to keep that crowd um, involved. They want If they're part of a show, they want to be part of a show. I mean, they don't want to just be standing there just watching you perform. Uh, and I think that's where hip-hop definitely... Uh, varies from some other music because it's so lyrical that people know all the words. I mean, people know the words to rock music and things of that nature too, but with hip-hop, you can just cut the beat off and point the mic toward the crowd and they can finish your statement for you if they know the lyrics, you know. Well, let's also talk about gestures, you know. um, With storytelling, gestures are as much a part of the story, the movement, the, the... eyes, the intonations, and things like that. But I notice a lot of that in hip-hop. And when we're talking about audience participation, sometimes, but I really want you to tell me, you know, uh, sometimes there are things you do with your physicality to draw your audience or re-engage them. Talk about that a little bit. Well, I, I think you see with hip-hop a lot, people moving their hands a good bit when they rhyme. And I, I read one time that actually that helps you remember. Like if, if uh, you're trying to remember something, you, you can like when people tell stories, they move their hands around a lot. So so that happens um, just so you can kind of remember what you're trying to say uh, on a psychological level. But um, as far as when I perform, I'm not just going to stand there and just be still in front of the mic and just perform for you. I've seen artists do that and it's not entertaining, you know. It's another part of what I talked about rehearsing in time, in plenty of time, because you don't want to look nervous, you don't want to look still. Um, you want to you want to spend your time engaging the crowd. So if I see somebody over here in the left um, side that's not paying me any attention, I'm going to kind of give them you know eye to eye contact, or if I see somebody I recognize, shout them out, or um, or if I see somebody that is really feeling what I'm saying, then I might focus on them as well. So um, you know, just bringing people into the show so you can be part of it. Um, I'm going to move around. I'm going to engage people as much as I can. Great, great. Tell me now, um, if I wanted to get the CD that just came out, when conformity is not comfortable, how would I go about finding it? Um, It's available on most digital platforms, uh, streaming and whatnot. Um, You can get it on iTunes. You can get it on CD Baby. Uh, I like people to go to Bandcamp. You can go to Bandcamp.com, uh, search Mr. Fluid, and get it there. It's uh, directly from me. But you can also stream it on Spotify. Um, really, if you search Mr. Fluid, when conformity is not comfortable, it's going to pop up on Apple Music or you know, all kinds of different uh, platforms. Great. Um, before we go, there's women on the scene now with hip-hop. What do you think of that? Oh, shoot, I love it. I mean, women have always been a part of hip-hop. I mean, we can go back to Roxanne Shantae, 
you know, we can go back to Queen Latifah, MC Light. That's right, you know, yeah. Uh, Lauren Hill, um, you know, women are extremely important in hip-hop. That's great. You've been listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Radio. I'd like to thank my guest, Mr. Fluid, Michael Norris, for taking time out of his schedule to be here today. If you'd like to listen to this show again or share it with a friend, visit the Arts Commission's website, www.arts.ms.gov, where all episodes of the Arts Hour are available. The show is also available as a podcast through iTunes and on the MPB website. Be sure to tune in in again next weekend for the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Radio. Thank you for joining us.